You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. All right, welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. So apparently I am going to have to make this into a series, Gateway to a New Economy. This is part five. Um, This should be real quick, but I just wanted to do a follow-up. What we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now is now starting to make it to uh, the mainstream media. I talked to you all about small businesses having a hard time. So small businesses with entry-level or low-income jobs having a problem retaining workers, right? So a couple things happened last week. Um, The unemployment numbers came out. And they were a lot higher than expected. And uh, last week, they're starting to bring out about the labor shortages on the low-income job side of the house. So meaning people are willingly not accepting jobs because it's cheaper for them to collect their unemployment and get their stimmies. Although we told you all this was happening a couple of weeks ago, um, now they're starting to admit it in mainstream media. And then um, I'm going to talk to you all about once again, so you can just get prepared, why they are uh, doing it with this uh, low-income jobs. We've talked about it before, but now this is going to be a reminder. So when you see it, it won't be a shock. So uh, let's get into the information about folks not wanting to work uh, based on them getting their unemployment check and their STEMIs. So this is from Market Watch. A record number of small businesses can't find enough workers to hire NFIB fines. So this came out today. Companies complain of labor shortage despite high unemployment and says it's hurting growth. A record number of small businesses said they could not fill open jobs in April, adding to a growing national controversy over whether extra unemployment benefits are keeping scores of people from re-entering the labor force. Some, 44% of small businesses, said job opens went unfilled in April, according Uh, to the National Federation of Independent Business. The NFIB is the nation's largest small business lobbying group. Small business owners are seeing a growth in sales, but are stunted by not having enough workers, said NFIB Chief Economist Bill Duncanberg. Finding qualified employees remain the biggest challenge for small businesses and is slowing economic growth. A simmering debate over rather generous jobless benefits have discouraged people from returning to work boiled over Friday after the government reported that the U.S. added a poultry 266,000 new jobs in April. 
Economists polled by Dow Jones and Wall Street Journal have forecast an increase of 1 million new jobs with some estimates ranging as high as 2 million. Oh, well, they missed the mark on that if you thought 1 million and only 266 new jobs, 266,000 new jobs. Anyhow, the U.S. Chamber of Congress, Commerce rather, called on, called on Washington to end a temporary $300 federal stipend that is not set to expire until September after the disappointing jobs report. So let's get this clear, which, child, I didn't even know this till after I had checked. But um, during the pandemic stuff, folks was getting a regular unemployment check from the state, and then the federal kicked in an extra 300 on top of their unemployment check, plus the periodic stimmies coming in. So that would make sense why people in the uh, low-income and entry-level jobs wouldn't want to work because, hell, probably the 300 a week alone um, on those entry-level jobs, that probably right there covers them working a 40-hour week. Hmm. So anyhow, the chamber contended that about one in four unemployment workers earn more from government benefits than they would from their prior job. Several Republican-led states reinstituted rules requiring unemployed residents to look for a job, a requirement that has been suspended during the pandemic, and one state, Montana, decided to stop providing the federal benefits altogether. Okay, and I know um, this morning... Uh, it was all over the Ohio news that they're going to start requiring folks that's collecting unemployment to um, start looking for a job also. All right. The idea of a labor shortage in the midst of a pandemic might seem far-fetched just several months ago. The U.S. lost more than 22 million jobs when the C-19 first made its appearance in 2020, and even now, it's still missing 8 million jobs. Yet, the Biden administration successfully pushed for an extra 300 a week in weekly jobless benefits as part of a massive $1.9 trillion stimulus plan passed in March. Okay, so remember we talked about the STEMI? This is really how this series all started. We talked about that STEMI, which the Fed issues. Because remember, the Fed is the bookie. That's that free money, y'all. That's the free money that if they turn off the spigot, it's going to collapse everything. That's the free money um, that the Fed has been providing and in addition to that, the Fed setting the interest rates or the points on the money. Right now, he has those points at zero point something percent. So very, very low, which in turn has the mortgage rates at uh, two to three percent, which is also driving up the price 
on housing, where there's a housing bubble. And because of all of this free money entering into the system, it is causing a bunch of problems. So number one, it's caused the housing market to overinflate. Now we're seeing, um, because the threat of inflation is on the loom, because soon as the bookie or the Fed starts raising those points or those interest rates, uh, it's going to cause the housing market to pop and then uh, also inflation. Okay, and we're already starting to see inflation. Uh, we're seeing it in the lumber industry really, really heavily, which is also contributing to the um, housing prices, the high housing prices. We're also seeing it in gas. All right, so they admitted last week that there may be a gas shortage, they said, in the summertime. So I'm just going to sit back. I knew something was coming. I'm like, something doesn't feel right. Something's coming with that's going to block us from traveling. So we'll see. But that's the next one on the loom. They're saying that there will be a gas shortage. Um, I just noticed going to fill up my truck. Thank God I don't have to do it like I did before. But um, I looked at the price and was like, oh, my God, look at the price of gas. So that's the next one um, that they're saying to watch out for. Food prices, I mean, that's pretty much what all adults do at one point or another. We do go to the little grocery store. We've noticed a tremendous jump in food prices, okay? Um, You know, a lot of people, the meat eaters out there, um, I know you all have been complaining about going to the store and the price of meat is just atrocious. They've already talked about the little chicken shortage. Y'all done ate the chickens up, (laughs) y'all. No, but seriously, there is a uh, chicken shortage. Um, So we've just seen the beginning. Now, some of these shortages, uh, folks are saying it's that way because of the pandemic and the the, the food supply chain has to get back on a regular rotation to smooth out these shortages. That's one explanation. Um, Another explanation is saying because the dollar is like pretty much done, it's in horrible shape, that a lot of these nations don't want to settle transactions in dollars. So it's been rumors that some of the shipping cargo has been sitting right off of ports because of settlement. Now, I don't know if that's for sure. That is definitely a rumor. Uh, So that's the second rumor is why uh, the food supply chain or just the supply chain for goods and services, period, is a little off, okay? Uh, But either way it goes, just start being prepared because inflation, no matter how people want to 
explain it. Some says inflation isn't coming. I don't know how they feel that way when it's already here. But nonetheless, just start preparing yourself uh, for higher prices. You're already seeing them now. Start preparing yourself for shortages. All right. Uh, So if you need to travel anywhere, go ahead on and get your little tickets or whatever, uh, because they are saying that there is going to be a gas shortage Um, and be prepared for your stuff to be canceled. Because although you have a ticket, if it's not economical for them to fly, your stuff will be politely canceled. All right. All right, so let me get back to the article. Just wanted to put those things out there. Um, It was saying that the U.S. Chamber, the NFIB, and other business groups insist the increase in benefits has dissuaded many people from accepting jobs. Republican leaders in Washington have sided with business groups and blamed the Biden administration for the weak April jobs report. If Joe Biden had done nothing, the job reports would be greatly, greater rather, and more people would be in work today. House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California said Sunday on Fox News, Democrats in the White House and Congress said they saw little evidence that people were refusing to take jobs. There's nothing in the data which suggests that That's the reason people are out of work. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo said Sunday on CBS's Face Face the Nation. All right, so uh, Democrats, y'all can have several seats on that. That is direct evidence because of all of this free money floating around that people are turning down the jobs that they once had. Now, I'm not sitting up here blaming the people because what does that say about the type of jobs that are out there? Obviously, those jobs are not enough to sustain a household. Because anytime I'd rather be on the stimulus and the unemployment than go to work because I'm making more, That means I really wasn't making anything to begin with. So I'm not blaming the people. It's just smart economic sense for them to make them more money now and stack their money. And hopefully they got some other type of side job on the side that they're getting paid cash that they can save a little bit. But it's not smart for them to go work and miss out on free money. Well, what they perceive as free, because we know nothing is really free. All right, so they said school closures have forced parents, especially women, to stay home to take take care of their kids, which is true. And they contend many people are still fearful of returning to work because of the virus. Okay, which is true also. Y'all said it was deadly. It's very contagious. Hey, it is what it is. So that's true. That's understandable also. 
So they said, uh, whatever the case, many small business, many small and large businesses are increasing wages. See that that's inflation right there, y'all. Increased wages. That's one of the inflation signs. Increased wages and benefits to try to attract workers in an effort to keep up with rising demand for their goods and services. The NFIB Small Business Optimism Index rolled 1.6 in April to a pandemic high of 99.8. Owners are raising compensation, offering bonus and benefits to attract the right employees. The NFIB uh, Dunkel Bell Burge rather said, Economists say higher wages combined with the reopening of schools and the end of extra jobless benefits will eventually draw people back into the workforce and ease any labor shortages. The market mechanism to clear this labor supply demand imbalance is higher real wages. Real, <laughs> that's a tongue tire. Real wages said Chief Economist Scott Anderson of Bank of the West. This would provide more incentive for folks who have exited the labor force to come back in and for others to switch jobs to sector where qualified labor is in short supply. Okay, so again, this is from Market Watch. It came out today, and this is called A Record Number of Small Businesses Can't Find Enough Workers to Hire. Right, so this last particular sen- sentence about um, the market giving higher real wages, and this would provide more incentive for folks who have exited the labor force to come back in and for others to switch job sectors where qualified labor is in short supply. Now, notice they say qualified labor because in addition, do not think for one second, everything that they do is calculated. It is for a reason. So as they're giving out the STEMIs and the unemployment, which is not free, it's never going to be free. It's always going to be a cost associated with something being given out. But nonetheless, this is a twofold. It is also to start introducing as the labor market is going to drastically change. I have talked about this several times and I'm going to keep reminding you because this is what you are witnessing. The labor market is going to change from having uh, entry-level jobs, low-income jobs, it's literally going to be, as they said in this article, qualified labor. So it's going to be qualified labor and those career-ish type jobs. Okay? So what's going to be leaving are the lower um, paying service jobs. 
The same jobs here that they're talking about people don't want to show back up to work for because they just don't make enough money. The STEMIs and all of that and the extra unemployment are covering it. That's because those jobs will be leaving as these um, industries start to um, bring in the robots, okay, or bring in what they're going to be calling um, machinery or AI intelligence, okay. Some of the McDonald's have already started rolling them out where you uh, walk up to your kiosk and order your stuff. Um, but they're so sophisticated with it, they can have an entire McDonald's period or any, and it's just not McDonald's, any one of those fast fast food places that invest in the technology where they can basically have the entire uh, robot from the cooking to the bagging to the uh, serving of the food run that entire store, Okay. And really, you only need uh, one person in the back to make sure that the machines operate. So really, even the face or the labor needed for fast food, and this is going to be from grocery stores also, the skill set will change. Okay, So you'll always need a manager that understands the industry about, you know, what sells, what isn't going to sell, how to move stuff around. But what's going to grow in that sector are the people that know how to program and fix the robots and all of that jazz. So now that takes a higher skill set level. That's qualified labor, even the manager that understands how the supply chain works in that particular industry, what to put on the shelves when, uh, what's more attractive, all of that jazz. That's qualified labor. So what would be missing out of those pictures are, you know, the folks standing at the counter, taking the money, bagging the food, uh, serving the food, preparing the food, All of that will be replaced with robots. All of it. So think of how many millions of jobs those are. Okay? There's only going to be so many of the qualified labor jobs going around. And even if folks in those particularly lower paying jobs start to train up for qualified labor jobs, there's only going to be so many available. So this whole thing with giving out so much money where people in the lower-ended jobs don't want to take those said jobs, they're doing that for a purpose. They're doing it to see, number one, how many people will be comfortable sitting at the crib. And obviously, it's more comfortable to people. And it's understandable, especially for women with children especially with women for with children with those small babies makes total sense so what they're uh looking to do family we've talked about this before they're looking to roll out universal basic income you'll also hear about them um you'll also hear them 
talk about it. Uh, it's named UBI. All right. So this is interesting. How can something be updated? Oh, March. Okay. Okay. So this is from um, Investopedia. Universal basic income. I thought that was May 1st, uh, May 14th. I'm like, wait a minute. How can something be updated? May 14th is just May 11th. My my bad. Okay, so this is off in Vestopedia, universal basic income. You will also hear them say UBI, right? What is universal basic income? Universal basic income is a government program in which every adult citizen receives a set amount of money on a regular basis. The goals of a basic income system are to alleviate poverty and replace other needed need-based social programs that potentially require greater bureaucratic involvement. The idea of universal basic income has gained momentum in the U.S. as automation increasingly replaces workers in manufacturing and other sectors of the economy. Okay, so it ain't like it's no conspiracy. Us quote, quote, conspiracy theorists with the tinfoil hat done made this up. They're telling you this is what this is. So what I'm telling, what UBI is, the idea of universal basic income has gained momentum in the U.S. as automation increasingly replaces workers in manufacturing and other sectors of the economy. All right. Understanding universal basic income the idea of providing a basic income to all members of society goes back centuries. The 16th century English philosopher and statesman Thomas More mentions the idea in his best-known work, Utopia. Thomas Paine, rather, a um, pamphleteer whose ideas helped spur the American Revolution proposed a tax plan in which revenues would provide a stream stream of income of government income to every person rich or poor so then it says in the footnote footnote and Martin Luther King Jr proposed guaranteed income in his book where do we go from here chaos or community While the federal government provides financial support for low-income Americans through the Earned Income Tax Credit, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, and other programs, a system of universal income has never taken hold in the United States. However, the concept has risen to national consciousness in recent years. Much of this renewed interest has to do with the fundamental changes to the economy, namely the growth of automation that threatens to leave many Americans without jobs that pay a sustainable wage. A 2019 report by uh, Brookings Institute 
for example, found that one quarter of all U.S. jobs are susceptible to automation. The researchers argue that roles involving more routine tasks, such as those in manufacturing, transportation, office administration, and food preparation are most vulnerable. All right, so y'all see the industries they break down. So manufacturing, we know that's almost pretty gone anyway here in um, the States. It's on its last little leg, empty, empty way. Transportation, yes, we knew that they were working. Matter of fact, I got this from a a trucker friend. Uh, Actually, he put me up on game. Where, um, you know, with, with the Tesla, with the automatic driving cars and all of that jazz. So that's even our Uber workers, um, our Uber Eats, which shout out to my Uber drivers and Uber Eats and all of that. It's a great industry, great idea, especially during the um, pandemic. That actually worked out perfectly, Um, you know, and, you know, having your groceries deliver hell. Now, I just absolutely love it. So hell of an industry and a great way where people started becoming their own boss. Um, Talk to a lot of Uber drivers and they absolutely love it. They get to set their own hours. Etc., etc., etc. But now I remember my trucker friend sent me something where they had already had in pilot trucks that can drive themselves. I'm like, oh, hell no. So they already had that in pilot. That was a couple years ago. I think he sent me that three or four years ago. Um, So that, that's that. Now, I'm chilling, minding my business, and I think it was Domino's, y'all. Oh, God, they got nasty food. Oh, my God. Okay, I shouldn't say that. But I think it was Domino's that the little commercial, they showed a self-driving truck pull up and deliver a pizza. So that's letting me know, uh uh-oh, They're ready to roll this stuff out, all right? I saw last year they showed, I want to say it was Detroit or either Cleveland. Okay, remember if it was Detroit or Cleveland, where one of the cities were testing driverless um, taxis. And I'm like, okay, so that would knock out a lot of Uber jobs. Okay, so we manufacturing already gone. Scratch out. They're working on transportation, so meaning if you're driving a car yourself or trucks, they're working on that already. Okay? Office administration, hell. They done been done that. They just keep Twiddling it down, twiddling it down, twiddling it down. Um, 
you know, some of the boomers, I don't know if you are still working, but I'm sure you've seen a drastic, drastic change from the time you came in the workforce, uh, what, the 70s or whatever. And remember all them admins? Remember when them executives had admins and then the admins had admins? Now, I never experienced that. I'm just basing it on what y'all tell us, and I'm basing it on Mad Men. <laughs> that little series, Mad Men, which was a good series. But every time I see it, I'm like, damn, they had a lot of admins. So fast forward it to today. Honey, let me tell you, a VP is lucky to have an admin. They'll have an admin. It'll be that one. And then all of that VP's people are harassing that admin. So totally, totally different. So it went from not only VPs guaranteed to have their own personal admin that only works for them to people that report under the VPs, which are the, the, the directors, having their own admin that only reported to them. To now, maybe a VP has an exclusive admin reporting to them. Um, but at a minimum, that admin is supporting a lot more people. Why did this take place? Because of technology. So meaning, back in the 60s and the 70s, boomers, when y'all could smoke at your desk, <laughs> I'm calling y'all out. Remember those days? <laughs> y'all could smoke at your desk. <clears throat> it took a lot of people, admins, because you didn't have the technology. So remember shorthand and all of that? And they had to take the shorthand memo, sit in the um, exec's office, take the shorthand memo, then turn around, go back to their desk, get the letterhead out, put it on the um, typewriter, get the corrector out just in case they needed to correct what they typed up and physically type that out, Okay. From the way you made copies, all of that, everything was manual. And then that changed with the blink of an eye. Once technology came into place and they took the big old server computers that had their own room, mainframe computers, and they convinced, um, condensed that stuff down to what we're calling the personal computer. And they created applications where anybody can type up their own stuff. Okay, so we went from very manual, very paper process driven to the total opposite. Now you could literally go paperless. All right. So office admin has pretty much been whittled down really to almost nothing because now the goals are for companies to be as paperless as possible. Even the U.S. government itself, I remember years ago, um, sectors of the U.S. government were doing projects 
to automate, to come off of that paper and for everything to be automated. That's on into the courtrooms, everything. So let's go back over these industries right quick. Manufacturing, been dead, gone inside of there. They're working on transportation. Transportation now is the next one. So if you're in that industry, if that is your bread and butter, start preparing accordingly. Okay? Start preparing. If you have babies that's looking for um, a career, I've been saying this for 20 years, get them on the technology side. Building robots, programming robots, etc. Okay? If you are interest, interested in going into uh, transportation or whatever, um, look at that side with the self-driving cars, etc., etc. You know, maybe that's what your next thing is instead of being the driver or whatever, having the particular vehicles that you can lease out uh, to perform those jobs, all right? So transportation is about to change. Office admin, that has already been changing over the, uh, over 30 years. So nobody goes to school anymore to be an admin. Nobody does, okay? So that will continue to change. And now to, quote, quote, get an office job, you have to know how to operate um, just basic software programs, et cetera, et cetera. And that's only going to get more because even on the technology side, now it's going to the place where even in the tech arena, there are tools or software programs that are making it easier for regular folks to create their own reports where they won't have to be dependent on IT, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'm saying to you is being computer literate is becoming more and more important. It's just going to get more and more important. So I don't even know how office admin will look in five years, um, but what I have been seeing, admin skill have to be highly more involved. It's more than a, just being about being able to type, being able to answer phones, uh, being able to remember birthdays and anniversaries. Those particular jobs have now turned into, they have to be literate, literate in computers, and now it's getting to the point where they have to be mid-scale literate in computers, all right? So that's often admin. Food preparation, just go on and forget about that, child. Just straight up, go on and forget about that. Go on are those days. Oh, pretty soon, enjoy it while you can, where you can walk into, you know, these fast food joints and go on and get you something real quick. Right, because they're gonna be over these next five years rapidly replacing 
the manual jobs with the um the robots okay so um a lucrative career would be able to know how to work those said pro uh robots be able to fix those said robots or be able to program those said robots all right so those are those industries i know i took a little time to go over it but i wanted to put it into perspective so you all can start thinking about this stuff because it's it's already here i told you all it was coming now it's here and now you're going to see it rapidly progress all right. So supporters of universal basic income believe a guaranteed payment from the government can help ensure the, that those who are left behind by this economic transformation avoid poverty. Even if government source income isn't enough to live on, it could theoretically supplement the income from lower wage or part-time jobs they are still able to obtain. Proponents also believe that a universal payment system would make it easier for people to receive assistance who are in need but have trouble qualifying for other government programs, right? So pretty much they admitting, y'all, y'all know how that is. You know, that's why a lot of people can never be able to get on government assistance, Um. Because you don't qualify, but yet you still scratching and surviving. Some Americans seek disability insurance payments, for example, may lack access to the healthcare system, thereby hindering their ability to verify their impediment. Political support for UBI. Many of UBI supporters come from the more liberal end of the political spectrum including former Labor Secretary Robert Reich and past head of Influential Service Employees International Union, Andy Stern. However, support from government supply income stream has been endorsed by a number of prominent figures on the right as well. Among them is the late conservative economist Milton Friedman, who or Friedman, sorry, Friedman, who suggested that private charitable contributions aren't enough to alleviate the financial strain many Americans endure. In 1962's Capitalism and Freedom, he argued that a negative income tax, essentially a UBI, would help overcome a mindset where citizens aren't inclined to make sacrifices if they don't believe others will follow suit, we might all of us be willing to contribute to the relief of poverty, provided everyone else did, he wrote. Libertarian philosopher Charles Murray believes that guaranteed income would also cut government bureaucracy. He has proposed a $10,000 per year UBI as well as basic health insurance which he says would allow the government to cut Social Security and other redistribution programs. Hmm, getting interesting. 2020 momentum for UBI, universal basic income received considerable attention during the first stages, 
the stage of the 2020 presidential campaign after our entrepreneur and formal Democratic uh, candidate Andrew Yang made the idea a cornerstone of his campaign. Yang's freedom dividends, as he called it, will give every American over the age 18 a $1,000 check every month. Those enrolled in federal assistance programs could continue to receive those payments or opt for the federal dividend instead. Even before the economic slide caused by the pandemic, Yang contended that the labor force participation rate, that is, the percentage of Americans who were Working or look for work was at its lowest in decades. The Freedom Dividend would provide money to cover the basics for Americans while enabling us to look for a better job, start our own business, go back to school, take care of our loved ones, or work towards our next opportunity. He campaigned, his campaign website noticed. Yang's exit from the presidential race hasn't slowed the growing drumbeat for the Freedom Dividend or a plan like it. Supporters contend that the sudden loss of millions of jobs from the uh, pandemic has exposed the vulnerable nature of the U.S. workforce, especially those in lower-paying jobs. The the $2 Pandemic Relief and Economic Securities, the CARES Act, that was passed in March 2020, provided a one-time payment of up to $1,200 for every qualified based on marital status and a gross, uh, adjusted gross income as reported in your 2019 or 2020 tax returns. Biden's American, President Biden's American Rescue Plan signed on March 11, 2021 was a $1.9 trillion pandemic relief package. Its benefits included another round of stimulus payment for every qualified adult in the U.S. This time, the stimulus payments will be around $1,400 for most recipients. Eligible taxpayers will also receive an identical payment for each of their children. Child, I didn't know that's what the STEMI. Child. To be eligible, a single taxpayer must have an adjusted gross income of $75,000 or below. For married couples filing jointly, the number has to be $150,000 or below. And for heads of the household, the adjusted income must be 112000 or below. Pope Francis, a staunch advocate of the disenfranchised, has framed the issue in moral terms. In an Easter 2020 letter, he, the, the Pontoff wrote the following of a universal basic wage. It would ensure and concretely achieve the idea at once so human and Christians no longer, of no longer, damn it, sorry, at once so human and Christian of no worker without rights. Child. I didn't know Pope Alicious was pushing for UBI. Child. 
that pretty much confirms what I've been telling y'all for years that it's it's coming. It's definitely coming. <clears throat> Criticisms of uh, UBI. Despite its promise to curtail poverty and cut red tape, universal basic income still faces an uphill battle. Perhaps the most glaring downside is cost. According to Nonprofit Tax Foundation, Andrew Yang's $1,000 a month freedom dividend for every adult would cost $2.8 trillion each year. Minus any offsets from the consolidation of other programs, okay? Yang proposed covering the substantial expense in part by shrinking the size of other social programs and imposing a 10% value-added tax on businesses. (sighs) He also proposes ending the cap on Social Security payroll taxes and putting in place a tax on carbon emissions that will contribute to his guaranteed income plan. Woo. Mm, that's interesting. So you want to add 10% tax on businesses. And let's be clear, it's going to be the middle and small businesses that pay that extra 10% tax because they don't have the money to pay the tax attorneys that for that the other corporations have the big corporations have who know how to um who know their way around the tax laws and that's not saying they're they're doing it illegally because they're not they are doing it legally so they know how to delay paying taxes, kick them down the road, or use the tax breaks applicable for their larger clients. That's why larger corporations, along with having a great tax attorney and the breaks that they already get because they are large corporations and the quote, quote, value they add to the economy, that 10% it's not going to be so much slapped on them as it will be the small and mid-scale businesses. So if they're already paying 30%, and I think I'm being generous, that puts 40% on top of them. Interesting. So, and when they say to take out Social Security to stop... Uh, Take to take some of the Social Security payroll tax that you pay. Um, that's interesting too. That's interesting. All right, let me get back to the article. <clears throat> Rather, that set up proposal is enough to fully offset the cost of the freedom dividend remains a contentious issue. However, an analyst by the Tax Foundation, concluded that Yang's revenue-generating idea would only cover about half its total impact on the Treasury. Okay, so that answers, because I'm like, okay, so how much is that going to cover? Among other criticisms of UBI is the argument that an income stream that's not reliant on employment would create a disincentive to work, That, too, has been a subject of debate. 
Yang has suggested that his plan to provide $12,000 a year wouldn't be enough to live on. Therefore, the majority of adults would need to supplement the payment with other income. The bottom line, recent studies suggest only a weak link between UBI and joblessness. A 2016 analysis by researchers from MIT and Harvard, for example, found that cash transfer programs in developing worlds had little recognizable impact on employment behavior. However, there's little evidence to suggest that replacing traditional welfare payments with a universal basic income would actually increase employment, as some of his proponents suggested. A recent two-year experiment in Finland where universal basic income effectively replaced unemployment benefits concluded that UBI recipients were no more likely to find new employment than the control group. All right, so uh, that was from Investopedia, Universal Basic Income, and that came out uh, in March of this year. So there you had it, family. Didn't want to make this too long. Uh, Just pay attention. That's what all of this is really about, about, um, you know, folks not working anymore because they're getting more money with the unemployment and the periodic STEMIs. Do not think for one bit that the policymakers and which are the people responsible for implementing the 100 plus year plan that the real power brokers, the the quote, quote, elite 1%, tell them they must put in place. They're behind the scenes watching this play out to see how many people are, um, you know, willing to stay home. And I think it's proven that they will. And hence, you're going to start seeing them roll out more and more of the um, robotics. Okay. Uh, So just get prepared, family. Uh, It is what it is. Hence why we named this series A Gateway to a New Economy, because that is exactly what you are witnessing. Okay, Um, so I wish everyone well on this Tuesday. Take care. Peace and love. Okay, all right. Well, I forgot. Sorry, that's what I get for running my mouth. I apologize. I did have one other thing I wanted to speak with you all uh, about that happened. Uh, This is for people that are on the crypto side, the cryptocurrency side. So, if you hold a private wallet, hold your crypto, you know what I'm talking about. You might have already heard this, but this is also giving a heads up to people that think, you know, crypto is just some fly-by-night. It's definitely gotten to a lot more than that. Um, I say that it was planned from the start because crypto came on the scenes in 2008, and I find that highly coincidental around the same time as the uh, 2008 crash, and it was used, crypto was used as a black market 
underground money laundering. So washing of the money. Okay. Um, but now it's kind of semi gone mainstream, although it's still only 1% of the population that are investing in it and using it. So think about it. Only 1% using it. Okay. But anyhow, this is out of vice. The IRS wants to help. The IRS wants help hacking cryptocurrency hardware wallets. As more investors and criminals move to hardware wallets to secure their funds, the IRS is looking for a new method to access those wallets in criminal investigation. Now, remember, I told y'all crypto's original reputation was based on was based on an underground uh, money laundering, a way to wash your money, okay? And dang, y'all, I forget that one movie that shows how it works. Um, a couple of movies have hinted at it, but it was this one movie with this young kid. Matter of fact, dude that plays Snowfall lead now, he was in that movie. Dang, I can't think of the movie. It was a funny movie, too where it showed uh, the money laundering uh, scene with crypto. But anyway, the IRS is looking for help to break into the cryptocurrency hardware wallets, according to a document posted on the agency website in March of this year. Many cryptocurrency investors store their cryptographic keys, which confer ownership of their funds, with the exchange they use to transact or on a personal device. Some folks, however, want a little more security and use hardware wallets, small physical drivers, which store a user's keys securely, unconnected to the Internet. The law enforcement arm of the tax agency, IRS, Criminal Investigation, and more specifically, its digital forensic unit is now asking contractors to come up with the solution to hack into crypto wallets that could be of interest in investigations, the document states. The decentralization and anonymity provided by cryptocurrencies has fostered an environment for the storage exchange of something of value outside of the traditional purview of law enforcement and regulatory organizations, the document reads. There is a portion of this cryptographic puzzle that continues to elude organizations. Millions, perhaps even billions of dollars exist within crypto wallets. Hmm... So, I've already told y'all, this is nothing new with the crypto market being used as a way to wash money or uh, clean up dirty money. So, I find it interesting that now, all of a sudden, they want to hack wallets. Okay, so you want to hack it now that it's starting to really take off? And it's going to move beyond 1% investing in crypto 
to majority investing in crypto relatively soon here. And the 1% that have been in crypto for quite some time now and are building up wealth, now you want to know what's on their personal crypto wallet. But you say, but you say it's for criminal investigation. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Hmm. I'll keep going. The security of hardware wallets present a problem for investigators. The document states that agencies may be in possession of a hardware wallet as part of a case, but not be able to access it if the suspect does not comply. This means that authorities cannot effectively investigate the movement of currencies and it may prevent the forfeiture and recovery of the funds. Okay, so just note also that was the original notion folks claim of why crypto was even um, invented. It was to be a way to be decentralized from the current currency system and also specifically from the Fed Reserve, all right? So in a conspiracy folk world, that was the whole hoopla behind the story of crypto. It was to replace the banks, right? But as we start getting more information, you do more research, you kind of put two and two together, and I don't, yeah, okay, it's to replace the banks. It's just really a remix, but that's that's yet a separate um, podcast. All right, that's why the IRS wants research and contractors to come forward with a solution to hack into hardware wallets. <clears throat> Crucially, the IRS does not want a one-off solution but tools that can reliably use it in multiple cases going forward. The explicit outcome of this contract is to tame the cybersecurity research into measured, repeatable, consistent digital forensic processes that can be trained and followed in a digital forensic laboratory, the document says. All right, it says, while the desire for a reusable tool makes a lot of sense, it's also what makes this request so challenging, according to Andrew Tyranny, a security researcher who has done research into crypto hardware, cryptocurrency hardware wallets. Hardware wallets are really getting quite secure now with a lot of research into them. You might be able to find issues in a few but to have ready-made exploits to work against lots of them is going to be to be very hard. Tierney, who is also a uh, cyber Gibbons, told Motherboard in an online chat. Another challenge, of course, is that the funds aren't actually on the wallet, just the keys. If the owner knows they are attacked attacking it and can act, the funds can be moved. According to the cryptocurrency research from Chain Analysis, around 20% of the Bitcoin in existence equal more than $100 billion, is locked in wallets. So y'all get that? $100 billion 
People have it outside of the digital system. So now this just me. I just put this on me. I'm not going to put it on the author of this article. I'll put it on me. They want to be able to hack these things to make sure people pay taxes on the cryptocurrency earnings that they have. Okay? Because there, there are really a lot of millionaires already on paper. They're just sitting on their crypto stuff. All right? And there's a millionaires right around the corner in the making as they sit on their crypto stuff that have yet to blow up, that will blow up. So meaning that's a lot of tax money that they're looking to collect. The IRS has recently signaled its intent to track and enforce against fraud related to cryptocurrency even more closely than it has in the past. Okay, so I just gave you the reasons why. There's a lot of multimillionaires already and there's more to come in that crypto space. In March, the agency announced Operation Hidden Treasure, which has the goal of fretting out undeclared cryptocurrency gains. Okay, so they admitted it in the little article. I didn't know if they was going to be bold enough, honey. The document makes no mention of that operation, and it is unclear if it is connected to it or not. It is. That's me saying and not them, but I'm telling you it is. They want to collect them the uh, tax revenue on those newly millionaires. Regardless, as more and more criminals choose hardware wallets to protect their ill-gained bitcoins, the feds clearly want methods to access them to find key evidence. For some, however, there may be easier and cheaper solutions. It seems like overkill, Nicholas Weaver, a senior researcher at the International Computer Science uh, Institute at UC Berkeley, told Motherboard in an online chat, for most of these devices, a choice of either give us the password or, or write in jail <laughs> for contempt might be su- sufficient. <laughs> All right, touche, UC Berkeley man. Okay, family, I promise you that's it. Um, I did just want to give you uh, what the Alphabet Boys are up to regarding cryptocurrency, uh, being able to hack the wallets, and that's the reason why. It also proves the point that crypto is not going anywhere. It's just going to grow bigger and bigger. All right, so uh, that article was from Vice, and it's called The IRS wants help hacking cryptocurrency and hardware wallets and that came out april 29th okay so i really am done this time for good (laughs) family i wish you well on this tuesday peace and love